Hey, good morning, everybody. Let's hear that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, that's way better. So my name is Doug. I'm the other Doug, the not as cool Doug. Uh, Doug Fern is today preaching at uh, Central Campus. Uh, did a great job. I heard him at 8 o'clock, and he's going to do that one here next week. So I already know you're going to hear a great sermon next week, all right? So, um, but it's a privilege to me to be with you. I, I'm a pastor of Parkview, and uh, I am usually at the Central Campus but I love it every time I get to come down here, too. I know many of you, and I love what God is doing down here. He's doing some awesome things. Um, on Wednesday this past week, we got the staff from Faith Academy together with the staff from Central Campus, and it was just awesome to worship together and just lay before God this whole year. And what does he want to do here? Uh, really excited about the staff from Faith Academy, too. We actually now have a second-grade teacher, too. I think it was up to, like, two or three weeks ago. And she seems awesome. So it's kind of like God saying, what are you worried about? Like, I had somebody for you. Don't worry, I got provisions. So it's awesome. So it's great to be with you. What, what we're doing for the next three weeks is I really feel like, you know, for everybody else in the world, the year starts in January. I feel like in Iowa City, the, work, the, the year starts in August, September, right? Getting school ready, getting all the carpools ready, getting all the kids in the right classes, getting Faith Academy started. So much can go on that we can get distracted from what God is really calling us to do. So the next three weeks, uh, we're calling the basics. Okay, what are the basics? And we're really camping out on two concepts, the great commandment and the great commission. Like, what is Jesus? Let's simplify this. What is Jesus calling us to do? Oh, what's... <laughs> This is awkward. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, no, that's, that's you're doing good. a great job. I think so, you're doing a great job. Just keep it up. All right. Up. Yeah, well, you're right there. So thanks for helping me out. <laughs> So we'll just go straight out of the Bible today. We won't do the screen. Also, the outline you got when you came in, that sounds better. Yeah. It's good. Don't, don't make me sing, though, but I'll just talk. So um, when you came in today, if you got a bulletin, there's an outline there you can follow along. That'll show you where we're going, okay? Do I have to start all over? Or no, I won't start all over. So I'll just say it's good to be with you. And um, so we're hitting the basics. And um, the basic I'm going to hit you with today, as I was thinking for three weeks, we're getting everybody charged up. Um, and ready to go. I'm thinking of like a football team. I played some high school football. I know we got Dominic here is playing some high school football. And there's something about training camp. We used to do two days. And there's something about after two weeks of just hitting each other, you're just really ready to start hitting somebody else, somebody different. Give me a game, give me another team, and let's go. And so the team's really, that first game, man, everybody's just ready to blast out of the locker room. We're going to look at a time where Jesus has just risen from the dead. He spent 40 days with his followers, teaching them about the kingdom of God, showing them with many proofs that he's really alive, and now he's about ready to send them out. And, and I can imagine maybe the equivalent is there. It's like, yeah, let's go. We're ready to go. We're ready to go take on the world and all that. And Jesus says, hold it. Before you go, before you go, you got to wait. you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend a morning talking about the Holy Spirit. So before we just go charging into a year, before we go you know, getting distracted about schedules and teachers and classes and start of a year. I want to make sure by the end of this year, we've all flourished, that by the end of this year, we've done what God has called us to do. And by the end of this year, we can look back and say, man, there's some stuff that happened in my life and through my life that has no explanation except 
that the spirit of the almighty God was living in me. Like, that's, that's awesome. And so let me pray, and we're going to um, jump, and we're going to look at two passages this morning. So let me pray, and we'll get going. So, uh, Father, it's an amazing concept that you, uh, the creator of the universe, that is in charge of the eclipse, is in charge of our lives, that is ruling over this world, that your spirit comes and lives in your people. That is phenomenal. Forgive us for just not, under, not treating that with the respect and the awe it deserves. Forgive us for just being kind of too familiar or flippant with you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come alive this morning. One of your roles is to help us understand the Bible. So would you do that today? Would you open our eyes and help us understand who you are, Holy Spirit, and what you want to do in our lives this year? So you be the teacher today. You show us what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have that Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, you just got a Bible and you've never used one before. Just like other books, there's a table of contents in the beginning. Just look and you'll find Acts and what page number that's on. Okay, so Acts chapter 1. And uh, I'll just start, start reading that. Everybody's getting there. It's good. Acts chapter 1. I'll kind of read it and make some comments as we go. So um, Acts was written by a guy named Luke. That name should sound familiar. Luke wrote one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So uh, Luke wrote uh, his Gospel, and now he's writing the book of Acts. Okay, so here's how it goes. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, that is Luke's friend. He wrote Luke, the Gospel of Luke, to his friend Theophilus. Now he's writing uh, this, gospel, this book of Acts to Theophilus also. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles who he has chosen. Let's pause for a second. The, the Gospel of Luke shows us all that Jesus did, all that he taught, took us right up to his crucifixion and resurrection. And I like how Luke said, that's all that Jesus began to do. Like, that's, that's exciting. Like, you would think that whole Gospel of Luke, that whole story of Jesus, that's awesome. But what Luke is saying is, guys, that's just the beginning. It continues. And so as you read through the book of Acts, what Jesus began to do continues. And again, not just through the book of Acts, but it continues today. So the words he's saying to his friend Theophilus are words for us today too. Jesus has just begun to work. In your life, he's just begun to work. He has far more to do. Okay, so let's keep going. Okay, so it says that Jesus presented himself alive uh, to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit many days from now. So again, 40 days with him, proving to him over and over again, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Like telling about all these awesome things about the kingdom of God. Again, like that football team, they're fired up and they're ready to go. And he says, but wait, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, kind of our, our, our main point this morning, we'll look at verse 8 and dig into it. He says, but you will receive power. This is why you need to wait. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, if you didn't pass geography, let me just say a quick word about that. That would be like if I said to you, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you 
and you are going to be God's witness in Iowa City and in Johnson County and in Iowa and to the ends of the earth. That's where he's going. He's going small and broader. What God wants to do in your life is not going to just bless you. It's not going to just bless the people around you. It's intended to bless the nation. All right? This is huge. Okay? So let's ask a couple questions about this. Who, who is called? Who is God addressing here? Okay? So again, Jesus died, rose again from the dead. Right after this, we're told there are about 120 followers of Jesus. And what we need to know about those guys is that... Um, that's maybe about the size of us, you know? So 120 followers. You might think, okay, Jesus just had been on the earth for three years. I bet these guys are awesome. I bet these guys are A-teamers. They're studs. They're ready to go. Can I just say they were not? Fern's going to hit this next week. But in Matthew's gospel, he tells us right before Jesus is ready to leave, he's shown them he's alive. Some of them doubted. Like, they're still like, is this real? Like, is Jesus alive? Like, just, hello, yes. Like, he's... So basically, if you look at this team that Jesus is inviting into this, that he's equipping with his spirit and sending out, they were not all-stars. Okay? They were not the A-team. So in other words, we all qualify, right? So Fern's going to dig into that next week. I love that. I, I, and man, I hate it when the Groves are here right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bash on Iowa State football a little bit. Okay, so, and it seems like every time I bash on Iowa State football, they beat us the next year. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this at a risk of both my friendship and the Hawkeyes. But, but I just picture poor Matt Campbell. That's like the coach of this year. Like they've stopped putting name tags, uh, permanent name tags on the doors at Iowa State football. They use a post-it note now. Like they just keep taking it down. But, but and these are probably all good men and good coaches. It's just like after Greg left, you know, he played at Iowa State. And they've just had a hard time getting the players, right? And so like in the same way, I think, you know, Jesus could look at this team and go, Father, is this who you give me? Is this all I got? And if you see, these guys are doubting me. I rose again from the dead. Like, what else is it going to take to get them on my side, to get them on board? But that's exactly how God works. You look throughout the scripture, God doesn't always pull from the A-team. God will pull anyone and empower them with his spirit and do great things with us. So I just say that, that we're all in, okay? I'll, I'll put myself in the front of the line of unworthy of being on Team Jesus, of still battling sin, of still having doubt. You guys can fight for who's the second worst recruit on Team Jesus, okay? I'll put myself at the first. I'm a one-star recruit at best, okay? So you guys can fight. But that's, that's who Jesus works with. Jesus can do amazing things with us, okay? So who's called? This is for all of us, okay? All of us who are willing to follow Jesus. Infernal, elaborate that next week. So let's talk about this. What's a witness? He said, you'll, be re you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. So in Jesus' day when he used that word, it, it had a similar use as we would today. It, there was a legal component to it. That you were, if you went to a trial and you saw something, you would be called to testify. But what you see through the gospel of, through the book of Acts, is that there's a specific thing that we are called to witness about and that is the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ. And what I love about this is that witness isn't something that we do. A witness is something that we are. This is our identity. He didn't say, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and then you go do a bunch of witnessing. He said, this is going to be who you are. Like, your very life will be about reflecting Jesus to your city, to your family, uh, and to this world. Your life is going to be a billboard 
saying Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. And you can't do that on your own. You're going to need my Holy Spirit to come within you. But you're going to be my witness. In fact, it's interesting. The, um, I don't like slinging around grammar or Greek language stuff for you. But the, the Greek word for, for witness uh, looks like, if you saw it, it looks like the English word martyr. It was marturo. So it looked like our English word martyr. And the reason that was is that God's people would be so in love with Jesus and find their identity so much in who Jesus is that when they started living out their life of following Jesus, there was much opposition they faced. Just like Jesus was crucified, there was a big part of that world that hated Christians because they were so much like Christ. So the word witness came synonymous with to suffer or to give your life for. And so, so the witnesses, this wasn't just an activity, this is who they are. And let's just pause for a second. Like what would cause, like what identity would you grab that you'd be willing just to lay it all down for? You know, I just acknowledged I'm a Hawkeye fan. I would not die for the Hawkeyes, right? Most years, I would never even come close to dying for the Hawkeyes, right? So the, all the, all the kind of empty identities that we can grab. But there's something so compelling about who Jesus is and about what he can really do in a human life that there's people willing to lay it down. I read this week about the church in North Korea and how the church is growing in spite of being in one of the most intensely persecuted parts of the world. And you could echo the countries, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. The gospel's flourishing like never before. At the same time, opposition is increasing more than ever before. You go, what in the world, what's going on? Guys, what that does is it elevates how awesome being identified with Jesus really is. Uh, it shows me I, I got some more leaning into Jesus to do. Like I, I've got maybe this much of Jesus, and he's got a ton more to offer. So a witness is your identity. It's not an activity, and he's calling you to be witnesses. And now let's just let's talk for a couple minutes. Okay, so then who's the Holy Spirit? You, you that's all of us, um, will be my witnesses, but you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you power. Okay, the Holy Spirit is fully God, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fully God. I've heard it say before that he is the shy member of the Trinity, okay? He doesn't, his role isn't to pop out there and say, here I am, the Holy Spirit, look at me. The Holy Spirit's role, if you remember nothing else today, the Holy Spirit's role is to point us to Jesus. He's a spotlight. And so when you see a good spotlight, that spotlight doesn't make everybody go, whoa, what a spotlight, man. That's awesome. Usually a spotlight is put up in a place where you really see something that's awesome. And that's his role. His role is to come into our lives and help us see Jesus. And he's there to help us become like Jesus. And he's there to help us reflect Jesus wherever we go. He's the one that empowers us to be witnesses, to be identified with Christ. Okay? So he is fully God. Um, please, there's so many times... And if you've done it before, don't, you know, God understands. But so many times we call the Holy Spirit an it, right? Kind of like the Star Wars force, like it. And so the Holy Spirit is personal. He teaches. Um, he can be grieved. Um, he, there's so many terms that, that show that he acts and he moves and he feels just like a person. So the Holy Spirit is personal. And a lot of people don't know this too, that, that Jesus modeled for us how to live a life dependent on the Holy Spirit. From, thank you. Like from birth to resurrection, 
The Holy Spirit was fully involved in Jesus' life. He was conceived, his mom was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that's how he was born. And Jesus said he did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. And at the end, when he was raised from the dead, it says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Like, if you ask Jesus, could you have done what you did without the Holy Spirit? He'd say, there's no. Like a, and that's staggering. You go, wait, Jesus, the Son of God? It's like he relied fully on the Holy Spirit. It's not a competition. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit working together. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to send another helper to you, he told his disciples. I'm going to send you another helper just like me to be with you. That's a powerful statement. In fact, Jesus one time said, it's better for you to have me in you than to have me with you. That, that, that's a hard one to get my head around. Like, I can imagine some pretty cool things about Jesus coming with me this week. Like, if I could bring Jesus through my neighborhood, hey, everybody, this is Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. Like, so, or me and Jesus in a selfie, and I post on Instagram and get 2 billion followers, like, right there, 2 billion likes. Like, so there'd be some pretty cool things I would think about, you know, or we go walking across the res and then do a little outreach on the beach. Like, so how'd you guys pull that off? Like, there, to me, that sounds pretty cool. Jesus says, it is way better for you to have my spirit in you than to have me with you. And so... This, I hope, what I'm trying to do is just elevate, like, so why do I need to be listening here? Why do I need to be listening here? And so the profound concept is the Spirit of God, uh, God is sending, Jesus is sending him to live within us. And that, that um, if you were a follower of God in the Old Testament, there were times where God would lead his people by a, by a pillar of cloud and at night by a pillar of fire. Like, there was such an awe of being in the presence of God. And if you were to tell one of those people, guess what? That presence that you're so in awe of is one day going to be sent and is going to come and live within you. The power of this God is going to come live within you. So honestly, I wonder how differently would we live this week if we truly believed, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the first thing Jesus does for you is he sends his spirit to you. And his spirit lives in you forever. He indwells you. Like if you, seriously, like if we really believe that, how would we live differently this week? Would, would, there, be, would there be some more confidence? Would there be some more peace? Um, talk about what he wants to do. But those are awesome things. So who is the Holy Spirit? Fully God, sent by Jesus to come and live within us. All right? So, so that's why Jesus said, wait. Don't just go charging out and doing ministry. You, and so we, you know, if we were honest this morning, we broke into circles. Talk about the times in your life where you just charged ahead and did it on your own strength versus the times you waited for God and his spirit to empower you, and then you went out. How did that, how did those two scenarios work out for you, right? That's why Jesus is saying, don't just go charging out on your own. Wait, let the Holy Spirit come. And so to bring us into the story, the day you trusted Jesus as your Savior, God's Spirit came to live within you. The Bible uses words like sealed you with his Spirit. It's like a, a sign that God says, that one's mine. That, that, that son, that daughter is mine because my Spirit lives in him, in her, okay? So um, that's why Jesus said wait, okay? So one other thing I want us to look at, take your Bible now and flip to the right towards the end of the Bible. And look for the book of Ephesians, okay? So if you were in Acts, you'll have Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and then Ephesians. So what, about five books toward the, toward the back of the Bible. Book of Ephesians. And look at chapter 5. 
We're going to talk for a couple more minutes about this concept of being filled by the Spirit. Okay, how are we filled by the Spirit of God? I want to make it clear that every one of you that believes in Jesus, God's Spirit lives in you. But that doesn't mean that God's Spirit has control of you or that that you're filled by the Spirit. So uh, let me just read a couple verses there. So if you're in Ephesians chapter 5, let's start in verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Man, that's a great verse for us right there. Verse 15. Keep going. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18 is kind of our key verse here. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, let's do this. Um, What is spirit filling? (laughs) I think if you asked just random Christians on the street, what's spirit filling? You're going to get a lot of different answers. And you're going to get some Christians afraid to even say something because uh, there's all kinds of ways this is taken. And I think because there's been um, some bad teaching on this or just no teaching. Nobody likes to talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Let's talk about it, okay? So, again, let me clarify. When you're a Christian, God's Spirit is permanently in you. He's not going anywhere, okay? But the deal is, are you going to rely on Him? Like, sometimes when I was a kid, you used to get toys and it'd say, batteries not included. You go, stink. Like, you have to wait for a trip to the store before you can play with it. The Holy Spirit is like, the batteries are included. Like, when you trust Christ, the batteries are included. The power to live what God is calling you to do is included. The key is, though, that battery's got to be connected. And so how do we connect? How do we make sure? That's what filling is, making sure that God's Spirit, who is in us, is free to do what he wants to do through us, okay? So, and so it's a permanent presence. The verse I want us to hone in on is verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's two commands there. A lot of times when Christians elevate that verse, they'll focus on the first part. And there's a lot in the Bible about beware of, of being intoxicated, beware of stupid things you do, and all that. But then our focus is going to be on the second command. Okay, be filled with the Spirit. So those aren't just random. At first you read that and go, what's he talking about, dr- drunkenness? Or is he talking about the Holy Spirit? It's like, yes. Okay, so the Holy Spirit wants to control you and do things through you, much like alcohol can control you, except they go totally different directions. This, I took both my daughters to different universities this week to get them started in school. And I was going through dorms. Remember my couple years in Hillcrest dorm at Iowa? And remember some of those weekends where I'd go in as a freshman, especially just seeing what alcohol to do to guys. Like, seemed like normal, average guys during the week. And then I'd see them on a Saturday. I'd wake up on Sunday morning and see one of them had spent the night hugging a toilet in our bathroom, you know, covered in his own vomit. And so you look at that and you go, you know what, I'll bet you... When he signed up for college and his parents, it's like, man, this is our dream. Like, this is exactly what we'd love to see him do, right? And so I, he would have, like, probably at the start of that day, hey, would you love to just wake up hugging that really disgusting toilet in the guy's floor uh, with vomit all over yourself? You're like, he's not going to say, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. Like, so alcohol took him there, right, to a place that he did not want to go. So the Holy Spirit goes the completely other direction, that when the Holy Spirit is controlling you, Things happen in your life that you had no idea you could do that, except good, right? Positive things, things that are like Jesus, things that are going to help you point people to Jesus, that are so beyond 
you. Um, and so that's the goal here is that, is that the Holy Spirit will, will do things in our lives that we normally can't do on our own. So um, that's, what, that's what filling is. Um, <laughs> there's a pastor that I love his take on this. He says it's a tragedy to live and die and to go to hell without Jesus. But it's also a tragedy as a follower of Christ to live and die and go to heaven and have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I wonder how many of us that's been true of. Like, even just in the last week or the last year, or maybe our whole Christian life, we've just been going through it, and we haven't understood, what would a Spirit-filled me do? Like, where would God take me? What kind of things would I say and share, and what kind of influence could I have? And so let's dig into this a little bit more. So Spirit-filling is commanded. This is something that God tells us to do. So, again, we look at the two commands. Um, this morning, if I came up here, and it was obvious to you that I had drunk way too much before I preached. Like, I'm up here staggering, and my speech is slurred. You can smell my breath. You go, God, man, that's a sin. What are you doing thinking about preaching when you're drunk? So what about the other side of that? Like, would, you be, would we be as concerned about, Doug, did you, when you preached this morning, were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, was that just you up there? because you thought of some cool things to say and you wrote it down and you just kind of did that? Or, you know, that we should, both are commanded. Just as strong as it is, don't get drunk. The command is all of us, be filled with the Spirit. This isn't optional. This isn't, well, maybe pastors or A-team or school administrators or church treasurers, whatever. Like those, that, the Holy Spirit's for those guys. You know, Holy Spirit's for all of us. And so it's something commanded for all of us. And second, let me say that the way the verb goes here about be filled with the Spirit it's not a one and done, because uh, we can be filled with the Spirit, but the problem is we leak. We leak, okay? So this is a continual thing that, that every day, I think for me, every hour, there needs to be a re-acknowledgement that I need to be living more for Jesus and not for myself. And so that's when the Holy Spirit is opened up, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So it takes continual action. And, and let me just ask and answer this question. And so then, how are we filled with the Spirit? Like, it would be awesome to see God do things in my life that I couldn't do on my own. And good things in my life. So how does that happen? Let me just simplify it. There's no formula in the New Testament. There's no passage you can look and say, it's these three steps and then you're spirit-filled. And you'll never see in the New Testament somebody just proclaim, I am filled with the Spirit. Um, so those things should tell you something. But if you look at the role of the Holy Spirit, how do I be filled with the Spirit? If I could just simplify it, it is make much of Jesus. Like that's what the Holy Spirit does. His role is to point the spotlight on Jesus. So if you want to become more like Jesus, Holy Spirit says game on. That's what I'm here to do. Or if you want to learn more about Jesus, read his teachings, obey his teachings so that your life is lining up with his life, the Holy Spirit goes game on. That's what I'm about to. So every time you line up to be all about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's right there with you. Just there to empower you to help that happen, okay? So if I could simplify it, just every day you wake up and say, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to make your name great today, wherever I go. Holy Spirit's like, done, let's go. Let's go do this, okay? So let me just clarify it here too. God is not going to empower you with his spirit so that you can go do your agenda. Man, then I'm going to nail it in my presentation or my career's going to take off today or I'm going to get great sales and we get great jobs. I'm going to get... Uh, a date for homecoming, or you're like whatever it is in there, uh, you know, that might be in there. But what he's going to do is empower you to be a witness. He's going to empower you to point people to Jesus. 
kind of excited, I'm very excited actually, to preach about the Holy Spirit. It's always good for me to get back into who he is. But the last time I did this was, did a sermon on the Holy Spirit, it was the end of last September. And so awesome, I loved it. I always get more out of preaching than I'm sure you guys ever do. And so that next morning, I had a, one of the most awkward appointments I've had in a long time. I was gone that weekend before I preached, doing a wedding in Cedar Falls, and I got a phone call from a funeral home here saying there's a family, their high school 16-year-old has died. They want somebody from Parfi to do the sermon, could, or the, the funeral. Could you do it? And so I'd never met him before, but like, of course, like however I can help. So Monday morning after preaching about the Holy Spirit, I'm pulling into this house that I've never met anybody there. They're grieving about their son, and I've got to get there and try to understand who these people are, love them, share the gospel with them, and then do a funeral for them. So I remember driving over and with the Holy Spirit stuff, fresh, just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you've reminded me this whole week who you are. Now you do your thing. Like, I just want to help these people. I want them to see Jesus. You move in me. I step in there. There's about 10 people in the room. Uh, the dad and I hit it off great right away. And we're just, he, still, I know these people are friends now. That's maybe a spoiler alert where this story is going. But I go and I meet everybody. The mom's first words to me is, Pastor, I appreciate that you're here. But you just need to know I've been mad at God for 16 years because their son was born with a heart defect. I've been mad at God. I haven't talked to him in 16 years. It's like, good to meet you too. Like, so how, what do you do there? You know, and so the whole time I'm getting to know everybody and we're talking about this boy, Peyton, and we're laughing, we're crying. But still in the back of my mind, it's like, God, I can't leave that there. I just can't, can't give me something for the mom. Like, give me a word. And if you know me, I'm not that smart. Like, I'm not going to come up with something for the mom. Meanwhile, the rest of it is flowing and it's going really well. And, and just praise God for that. And at the very end, God just gave me something. And I know this isn't me, but he just led me to say this to the mom. And I just said, her name's Jen. I said, Jen, you just need to know, let me just tell you, I totally get why you're so mad at God. Like, I think I would be too. And that's okay. But you need to know this, that God isn't mad at you. And, and as, as they were describing their son, 16 years, short life, Wherever he went, he brought joy. He had had 40-some surgeries, lived in constant pain. But wherever he went, he made people laugh. And so God gave me this, too. I said, God isn't mad at you. In fact, he understands what you're going through more than you know. Because he had a son that came to this earth and lived a much shorter life than he ever should have lived. And he suffered greatly. But wherever he went, he brought joy to people. And then, he, then, then his son died. And she, I didn't, you know... Just like, well, what do you say? You know, I was just ready for whatever to come back. And she just started bawling. And she said, he lost his baby too, didn't he? I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in that room. And um, praise God. Like, again, the desire was, I don't want him to be impressed with me, or I don't want to do a good funeral. I want her to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit gave me those things. I didn't have a class in seminary. Hey, when you encounter a mom who says this, you say this. Like, there's no textbook on that. That's Holy Spirit stuff right there. You guys, I just wonder, what, what's the last evidence in your life that the Spirit of the Almighty God lives in you? Like, what? That's a scary question for me to ask. Like, do I have to go all the way back to last fall for me to think about that? And the Holy Spirit, you know, let's just talk a little bit about the fruit that he wants to do. Okay, what's the Holy Spirit going to do in my life? Um, he's going to produce fruit in your life, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, 
self-control. Basically, he's going to help you be like Jesus. Um, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. You can't say, well, the Holy Spirit's helping me good in gentleness, but man, I'm not patient, so he's got more work to do there. I'd say, no, you're naturally maybe good at this, but a uh, fruit of the Spirit is all of those grow and change at the same time. So like, that's impossible, exactly. Like that's, that's the kind of sign that the Holy Spirit is in, involved, so you'll see fruit of the Spirit. And when the Bible also talks about fruit, it talks about influence. Fruit is character change, but it's also influence that you'll see the people around you change or drawn to Jesus. And again, that's not going to be you. That's going to be the Holy Spirit of God working through you. So um, a great promise that God wants to give his spirit to all of us here this morning, that he doesn't want us just running ahead and doing this on our own, um, on our own strength, that he's not going to empower you to do your agenda, but he would love to empower any one of us here this morning to live more like Jesus would live and to reflect Jesus' life to this city, to your family, uh, to where you go to school, to where you work. He would just love to put Jesus on display through your life. You will be my witnesses. Your identity will be like Jesus. You'll look more and more like Jesus, and people go, where are you getting that? And you'll have a chance to point people to Jesus. So let me pray. Let's wrap up and pray. Let me just ask you, just just like that pastor said, like, what it, as bad as it would be to die without Jesus and go to hell, like, how many Christians, how many of us this morning have trusted Jesus, but we've never really been filled with his spirit? Just sit on that and just say, Father, have you, have I really been filled with your spirit? Have I, have I laid down my life and said, I want to be like Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to reflect Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me. Another question you could ask is, if God, he would never do this, but if God were to remove his Holy Spirit from you, how long would it take for you to notice? Father, I think we so often just do our thing and live our life. We totally ignore this awesome power we have for the Holy Spirit. God, I'm excited about what you can do. It's awesome what you did as you read the book of Acts, how you took a bunch of doubtful, uh, weak people, and you did amazing things, uh, and you've impacted the world through them, you could do the same thing in this room this morning. You could take 120 of us, fill us with your spirit, make us more like Jesus, and then do astonishing things as we scatter from here this week. So may we be a people that is fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. God, fill us and then use us and do great things to point more and more people to Jesus. In his great name we pray, amen.